Welcome to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. Why the secrecy and disinformation around the subject of UFOs? Does the government have actual evidence of alien visitation? What was Project Blue Book? Greetings and welcome to the 859th edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno. I am Ben and those high-flying questions came from my co-host, partner in Paranormal Adventures, and dad, Paul. And today we bring you a guest uh, who should have, or who should have been on here a long time ago, and we welcome your calls today. The number is 401-766-1240, that's uh, from anywhere, or you can email paul at behindtheparanormal.com. Uh, or you can contact us via Facebook, Twitter, or Instagram for those who are uh, vocally shy. Uh, now, all that being said, uh, he should have been on a long time ago, but, and we're not sure he's going to be on today because we are not able to uh, contact him yet. So we're going to hope for the best, uh, and I will introduce him. Uh, Dr. Kevin D. Randall is a preeminent UFO researcher, particularly when it comes to the reported crash of a UFO near Roswell, New Mexico, in 1947. A veteran of the U.S. Army and Air Force, where he did intelligence work. He served in Vietnam and uh, also in Iraq. Kevin holds an undergraduate degree in journalism from the University of Iowa, a master's degree and Ph.D. in psychology from California Coast University, and a second master's degree in military studies from the American Military University. He retired from the military in 2009 as a National Guard lieutenant colonel, Kevin is a best-selling author of over 100 books, including the best of Project Blue Book, which was supposed to be the subject of our discussion today. That was just released in March. His website, Kevin Randall, or it's Randall, R-E-N-D-L-E, dot blogspot.com. As I say, we uh, have not been able to contact him, and we will. um, We hope he's okay. Uh, We will attempt to do so during the show. But in the meantime, uh, we will do what we do in these cases, and that's have Plan B which is an impromptu open line show. We, we have emails going back years, and uh, we have um, all sorts of Facebook contacts as well that we didn't get to last week during our open, show, open line show last week. So I guess we'll do a kind of a back-to-back shows here uh, in that vein. So we have one here from, uh, we didn't get to, from Mark in Lincoln, Rhode Island, right in our listening area indeed uh, really just a a stone's throw away from the studio really um so let's not talk about stones that's that's fair uh so mark writes to us uh i just i listen i just listened to your great show from december with uh dr david hart uh if i heard the show live would i have i would and i would have called in with this question uh, but maybe you can answer it if demons or parasites can be saved by God, uh, wouldn't they have to die first? If they are fallen angels, how can angels die? Well, th- th- that's a good question. That gets into our show from uh, two weeks ago on, uh, I should say three weeks ago, on eternal life. Now, I was very disappointed, Ben, that you weren't able to be here. Now, we, we got bumped three hours ahead of, of, rather, ahead of our usual, I should say behind our usual time because of professional sports coverage here on WON. And it was nobody's fault, but Ben had uh, hey, no, other it's, arrangements. It's in playoffs. It. No, it's not your fault. You couldn't. You couldn't make it. It was no, yeah, the playoffs. We, we couldn't. Uh, the hockey, NHL playoffs, right? Right. Yeah. So um, uh, I uh, hate doing this, but I took the script and I did it myself. I hate droning on for an hour uh, without any any company. But um, anyway, uh, we we had some a long. I didn't even get through the whole script. 
A lot of people are interested in the subject of, of uh, eternal life, of course, and the question did come up, do you have to die first? Now, that's, it would seem obvious to the casual observer that you have to die in order to go to heaven or hell or whatever, however you define an afterlife or eternal life. I don't think that's true. Because if you look at the, uh, the theology of, of not just the Christians, but a, a number of others, there is, uh, and we pointed this out, on, I pointed that out on this show, that you don't have a lot of distinction between this life and other lives. And I was thinking particularly of, of the, uh, the ancient, ancient faiths, like the, those of the Aborigines in Australia, the uh, traditions like the Andaman and Nicobar Islanders of the Indian Ocean area that, that, that go back tens, literally tens of thousands of years of unbroken tradition, uh, and their their very DNA uh, says that they are the most ancient peoples in the world, except for some of the Africans. So the, the tradition there is that you just don't have the, this stark contrast between life, dying in material world, and then some sort of spiritual life after that. Um, that is the, the current Western belief, pretty much. And uh, so the question is, wouldn't... It, Okay, but let's go back a little bit. Dr. David Bentley Hart, we had a great show with him. It is the second most popular show we have ever run in 12 years, more than 12 years on the air. And he is an Eastern Orthodox theologian uh, who was on the show to talk about whether the devil would be saved. Funny thing, but there was an ancient argument in the, old, in the ancient Christian church about whether God being completely just and completely... Um, uh, merciful, that every everything and everyone would eventually be saved. Uh, the symmetry of not doing that for eternity would not be good. The idea of eternal damnation, particularly of people who are finite, and uh, you know for finite crimes, it just it just doesn't set right with a lot of people's idea of justice. Okay, um, I know that there's a lot of the Christian groups just will have fire coming out of their ears because of, of what I've said. But uh, I'm sorry. Uh, I, I don't ha- I'm not comfortable with the idea of eternal damnation anyway. And uh, there was a tradition in the ancient church that it really was never settled in the East about whether everybody will eventually be saved. So hence the question uh, from uh, Mark in Lincoln about whether wouldn't, wouldn't demons, so-called, have to die first. Well, I hope I've answered that, that, that no. Uh, first of all, our idea of demons is, uh, is that of parasites and living creatures. And sure, as much as death is possible in the, in the multiverse, uh, where you have all kinds of versions of yourself, you know, if the physics is, is interpreted that, that way, and if uh, we are correct in our own theories and methods, that uh, the answer would be no. You don't. Uh, eternal life begins, can begin here and now. And really, whether you want it or not, you've got it in a sense that, again, there are so many different versions of yourself. Again, if this thinking is correct. Ben, you seem like you want to say something. Um, I'm, I'm forming the thoughts in my head to, to make to make a quick, um, not, not subversion, uh, uh, move the argument in a different angle to look oh, at good. it. Yeah. I, I think the... I think the major question here is sort of how the question is worded in the first place. There's sort of this, this idea... Um, of of being saved, and I think that saved isn't the right word. Okay. I don't I don't think that that's a good enough word to describe it because that 
I think I think it sort of Im- implies um, moving of of an of some something to somewhere else or to to rescue from a danger, which I guess the danger in this case would sort of be you know the the natural condition or well the the condition of of the world as it were, um, and and essentially I I think that the 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 wording of um, can they be saved? I think it's incorrect. Uh, mm-hmm. I, I think that's not the the right way to say it. There's there's this idea um, of of sort of and, and and it's reflected in different uh, in, in other other um, sort of spiritualities too, which is a sort of Taoism uh, kind of comes to mind, which is sort of the reuniting of of sort of the like l- 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 let me just put this in a way reuniting of the self with the natural. Right, so like uh, the Taoist sort of argument is that as man separated themselves from nature, um, everything kind of fell apart, and that was kind of like it. Or, or as man separated themselves from heaven, as it were, or the way, you know, they it, it sort of fell apart, and and life became complex and confusing and hard, and that you know, so you know, you sort of had two different ideas of what happened in you know. In, in ancient China, which would be Confucianism or Taoism, which were the two sort of major philosophies at the time. Confucianism was more about building very specific rituals to reunite one with heaven, whereas Taoism was about, instead of you know doing complex rituals, just reuniting yourself to nature, in in a sense, or 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 heaven through you know a simple life. The uh, um, you'll see where I'm going with this. Um, the idea of salvation is a very strange one and I think it's the wrong word to use because the English language is just completely butchered anything that has to do with any philosophy or theology because in English you know the the words are so um, uh, fickle and it doesn't really imply sort of the depth for example right so like uh, the word for mercy in in uh, sort of in English, in translated in Greek was uh, eleison, correct? Uh, yes. Well, Which essentially means olive oil, right? Yeah, pretty much. And the idea was that olive oil uh, was a healing agent, and that it meant healing. Now you can't derive that from <laughs> from just saying, "Oh yeah, let's uh, this, let's show mercy on this guy," because it's like you know it, it implies some sort of justification, some sort of judgment, etc. Whereas, you know, in other languages, the words that we use, they, they don't display the depth. So where I'm going with this is in, in, a, in a lot of other, other sort of spiritualities, there's sort of a, not just a reuniting of, this, of the self, as it were, to sort of the divine or the world. It's reuniting of everything, that everything is then turned towards the divine, that's the unity with a capital U that we talk about in our books. Right. That everything in this case would be reunited um, with God. Right. So that would include all of creation, because it's meant to sort of you know sanctify stuff and and everything, everything under under the sun basically is is meant to be reoriented. So saving is is just not. It's not. I don't think it's good enough. I don't think that that's a good a good enough way to to describe it. It's a reorienting of all of creation to where it's supposed to be, and it uh, it denies the island theory, which we're always talking about on the show. That it's all about 
us, everything we are is contained within our bodies, and that, that's, that's simply not true in the traditions of most people, uh, most of the ancient cultures especially. There is, as Ben said, that, that this unity which must be restored. So I, I get what you're saying. Right. That's, that's where I'm going with this. Yeah. So it's yeah. not like, you know, they're individually, you know, kind of like, oh, well, they have to die first. It's like, well, that's not really the point. The point is not death because, you know, that, that's kind of a non, a non, that doesn't make any sense. Because if, if, you know, creation is life, right? If the divine is life, that doesn't make any sense. So mm. in, in living in, in living in eternal life, which is pursuing life in all of its facets, whether it's regrowing relationships with other people or regrowing relationships with, you know, anything you've kind of formed bonds with, whether it's pets, anything that kind of exists in a way, it's this sort of reorienting of yourself to creation. Yeah. Well, so folks, uh, feel free to call in today. We're having an impromptu open line show, 401 uh, <laughs> 401-766-1240. Do not call my personal cell phone. That's a number here, W-O-O-N, 1240 AM and FM is 401-766-1240. So, um, we have a question, of course, from Peter in Bogota, our, our very, very faithful listener, and a good now, question. Is, is this for us or for... Uh, no, this this is, uh, was a question for uh, Colonel Randall, Dr. Randall. So we're going to... Um, uh, we're still unable to contact him, so we'll just continue doing this, and, and hopefully he's okay, and, and we'll... Uh, if we, if we can't get him on, we'll reschedule him. But uh, we'll save this question for when we do have uh, Dr. Randall on the show. So who's next, Ben? Ah, yes. Uh, so we have Michelle from Austin, Texas. Um, I'm hearing a lot of people say uh, that this coronavirus is being spread in chemtrails. Uh, have you heard anything like that? What do you guys think? Uh, who would be doing this and what for? Well, I mean, I have heard that. We... Um, don't necessarily uh, believe it because uh, we, um, I have a little bit of experience in the air and we know some pilots as well, who, uh, one of whom is a reporter for the show from Europe and uh, he's a commercial airline pilot and none of them believes any of that. They said, you know, chemtrails are, are well, first of all, he said, they said they're not chemtrails, they're condensation trails, water vapor comes out. And what, what has made a lot of people nervous is that at times, if, if the atmospheric conditions are correct, these uh, condensation trails will spread out and will literally form clouds. Uh, but that is nothing to do with spreading chemicals. Now, I'm not saying it's not happening. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, I just um, I think that there's plenty around today to be conspiratorial about it, but I, I don't think that that's... I feel like there'd be so, better ways to spread it, too. Yeah, Honestly. like what? I don't know. Water supplies, you know, the basic things people use every day. Well, water supplies, you the because um, you know this uh, really. I never forgot the uh, <laughs> nuclear, biological, chemical warfare training we had in the military. But you would need unless there's some new uh, toxins that, that don't need this factor. But you'd have to put tremendous, you know, barrels and barrels and barrels and barrels of stuff into a public water supply in order to contaminate enough of it to have any effect. Now, again, that may have changed, and I hope it did not, mm. uh, but they, they, uh, they're pretty well watched, the public yeah. water supplies, and, and uh, people will um, notice if you're going to do that kind of thing. So, personally, I don't think there's anything or, to the chemtrail thing. I mean, there may be, but I don't know of any uh, evidence for it. Yeah, eh, that's fair. 
I, I don't. I don't really think so either. Honestly, I mean, it, it's. I think it's easy to kind of get spooked um, by by you know something that we know very little about. But yeah. another thing we have to keep in mind is that viruses inherently are constantly changing, mm-hmm. and so there's no there's no sort of there's bound to be something that we will not have immunity to. It's happened many times in human history. Oh, yeah. The bubonic plague is a perfect example because you know no one had immunity to it. That's just how mm-hmm. it is. You know, there's you know when uh, the the sort of explorers from Europe came over to the you know the current continental uh, Americas. <laughs> you know, they brought with them a bunch of diseases that the Native Americans were not uh, you know immune to. Although the question would be why didn't the Europeans get diseases from them? But that's a different sort of thing. But yeah, I've always wondered that too. Yeah, I mean, it's, it works both ways, you would think. Yeah, maybe they had a lot of garlic. Who knows? <laughs> yes, but that's sort of a family joke. Yeah. Well, yeah. <laughs> so it, I guess the the argument would would just basically be at some point, somewhere along the line, there would be something we all wouldn't have immunity to. Well, there is another side to, to that question, uh, whether the questioner intended it or not. There is plenty of evidence uh, from the, and th- this is called the panspermia theory of Sir Fred Hoyle, the uh, the great British astronomer, who uh, astrophysicist who is no longer with us, but uh, I kind of grew up with him reading his books. Uh, the panspermia theory is that um, life, um, including diseases, uh, will bacteria will be spread across the galaxy by what we think of as gas clouds or by uh, meteors landing on Earth that may have microbes on them. And it's been found that they do. Mm. You know, now, whether it's enough to spread anything or to create uh, biological mutations is another thing. But uh, he uh, actually, he and his, his team in the 1950s and 60s traced back uh, through the periods of the Earth where there were explosions of, of new forms of life, such as the, the Cambrian the Precambrian extinction, and oh, yeah. all of a sudden you have all this new life. Um, his conclusion was that, that either a, a large meteor hit the Earth and spread the and created the extinction, but at the same time uh, spread this these new uh, this new sort of uh, genome or something that, that went out, and and all, and, and all these uh, new species resulted. Uh, a rather elegant way to uh, replace life on a planet, I guess. There was a um, there was an astronomy professor I had in college who uh, he was he was kind of a kind of a funny guy he sounded like Ray Romano he um, he he made a really a really funny point once that he was like if an astronomer doesn't know what it is what what it is he was like nine times out of ten they'll say a collision did it yeah yeah, yeah. <laughs> well in, in science does that particularly physics they'll They'll come up with a theory to plug a hole and then until test it doesn't it. work anymore. <laughs> yeah, and then sometimes it does work. That, so, so there's yeah, your that's how, yeah, I guess that's kind of how science works. Yeah, 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 at least the physical sciences anyway. So in any case, uh, that's just one. So I'm not suggesting that the coronavirus came on a meteor because um, it looks pretty clear that it came out of a lab some in, in Wuhan. But uh, things have happened. As strange new diseases have cropped up. Um, Sort of without uh, any known origin, and it could very well have been not only from meteors, but the Earth moving through what uh, Fred Hoyle uh, would refer to. We would call them gas clouds, mm. but he thinks that they were full. Of, he thought they were full of microbes. I mean, it's entirely. That's how maybe. life spreads around the galaxy. 
Yeah. Or maybe the whole universe. I don't know. So, but so that's just a, a, one aspect of that po- possible answer to the that concept proposed in the question. Mm. So, uh, who's next? Uh, Tammy, who coincidentally we actually uh, an- started answering this question, um, and uh, Tammy from Question Mark writes to us. Uh, I'm an avid listener, and I've heard you guys mention several things uh, a number of times. And one of these ideas uh, is that people who have contact with aliens could be in real danger from alien germs that they do not have immunity to. Uh, You also talk about other worlds that are right next to ours and interact, of course, through paranormal events. Uh, Putting these two ideas together, do you think that this uh, virus could be uh, alien in origin, or could it have uh, come across from an alternate world? Or, as you guys say, uh, maybe both. (laughs) Well, boy, we're sure a lot of medical questions today. Uh, well, again, I think this, this particular virus uh, it seems pretty clear it came out of that lab, uh, and so that's one thing. But again, many other uh, possibilities are raised in this question. For example, the, the, uh, the very legitimate concern of uh, meeting an alien race and being infected by something you, you don't have immunity to, that's the whole theme of War of the Worlds. H.G. Um, mm. Wells' novel, and that was made into, uh, as far as I know, three different films. Yes, and don't and don't forget about the infamous radio play. And her, oh, good grief! Yeah, the radio play. But the whole theme was at the end, the Earth was saved by these uh, sp- people from space, who you know had the technology uh, to get here, you know, through space, but were too klutzy to realize that they uh, might not be immune to Earth uh, viruses, that sort of thing. So, I mean, it's a legitimate concern. I remember when the uh, first, I believe it was the first three moon missions, 1969 through 1971, uh, they were, there was the lunar receiving laboratory that mm-hmm. NASA set up. And as soon as they, they arrived uh, from the moon, uh, they were isolated, the three astronauts, because it was believed the moon, of course, has no life, uh, and there's still no evidence of life that I'm aware there is evidence of water here and there but not as far as we, I know any any life so far that we would as we would describe it uh, they were taking absolutely no chances th- that uh, any kind of alien virus could be released on earth so but then after nobody got sick after three missions uh, nine nine uh, astronauts they decided they didn't really need to do that anymore and this is so I mean it seemed that everything worked out so they were just being careful. But there was an awareness of this. Um, as far as coming in, and I've often wondered uh, in our contacts with uh, multiple worlds that um, could viruses get in that way. And sure, but I think you have to realize that, that these worlds, at least in our experience, are not separated from one another totally. They constantly interact. And mostly they're within our world family, which means that the laws of physics are similar and... Uh, you know, you may put your keys down on on the counter, and then they'll be at the other end of the counter, and you turn around again. There are little glitches like that, mm. but you're not going to have the furniture flying around the living room from a, a, a poltergeist or from uh, the conditions created by uh, worlds uh, that have different laws of physics uh, intersecting. So, uh, at least in most cases, and then when we do have things like that happen, we say, "Aha! It's paranormal, or there's a ghost, or a demon, or something like that." That's the only way we have to explain it. But uh, with all this, this interaction, exchange of energy, exchange of matter even, 
there could very well be ex- exchanges of, of uh, bacteria and viruses and things that uh, may or may not be very pleasant. So, uh, yeah, I think that that's very possible, but it's all part of the natural order. I mean, I think we, we, we intersect with thousands of parallel worlds every day, mm. maybe millions. Well, there's a really interesting phenomena um, that that comes to mind, not necessarily, um, you know, diseases or anything coming through, but a lot of, um, uh, well, I don't want to say a lot, there, there's a number of um, UFO contactees that have issues with radiation, you know. Yeah, that's true. Cancer, radiation poisoning, you know, things like that. And it's it's interesting that you know you don't you don't see any sort of other illnesses pop up, but you do see you know st- stuff along those lines, You're right. which is yeah. which is fascinating. And I'd I'd want to know why. I feel like I I've asked the question and I don't remember the answer to it. Yeah. yeah. Um. But I, I I do remember that being kind of, kind of an issue. Next time we have uh, one of the UFO headliners on the show, that's a good question to ask. Yeah, especially it, Kathy Martin. I mean, she. I think I might have asked Kathy. It, it, it was a while ago, but I don't recall what the answer was. Well, she deals with lots of experiencers and people who think they've been abducted and prob- may, probably have. That's true. So yeah. that that would be something to keep in mind for that. Indeed. Uh, okay. Well, we are coming on to our uh, mid-show break here, and uh, you're listening to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley, doing impromptu open lines today, so stick with us. The night is alive. Join us and take a walk on the weird side when you tune in to The Kingdom of Nye, hosted by Heather Wade, the finest in late-night talk. Listen live free weeknights starting at 9 p.m. Pacific Time at thekingdomofnye.com, talkstreamlive.com, and the Paranormal Radio app. Want to take a ride? And welcome back to Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno on WON 1240 AM and 99.5 FM in New England's beautiful Blackstone River Valley. Local and live on 99. I'm trying to think of the slogan. I love that slogan. Local and live on 99. Anyway, we have been unable to contact our guest today, Kevin D. Randall. That's very unfortunate. We had a great show planned, but we'll get him back, I'm sure. Uh, something just went wrong with the communications. Uh, so we are it's doing it. Imp- yeah, it has happened before. Uh, we're doing impromptu open lines today, then, because we have piles and piles of, of uh, messages and emails from people. And, and all sorts of stuff. And all sorts of stuff. So, Ben, if you would uh, take us to our next uh, question. Sure thing. Uh, uh, Tippy writes to us from Bangor, Wales. Uh, or if you're from Maine, Bangor. Uh, <laughs> my, my house is haunted. And we are uh, being told to stay indoors, or at least uh, to go no farther than our own gardens. I inherited the house from my parents, so I own it. Uh, I grew up here, but I never liked it. I listened to your show and read your books, uh, so I know your ideas, which I think make a good deal of sense. Thank you. Uh, so I do not think these are parasites, or not yet. Uh, there are what They are what you might call time slips uh, in grayish forms moving around. Uh, this happens two or three times a week. I do not really feel threatened, uh, but I do not like being watched. It's fair. Um, I know I can't do this alone. Uh, it's it's like being in a paranormal lockdown. Do you have any advice for people in my situation? Well, th- this has come up on the show before, uh, particularly during the period. I think that was probably written during the period of the lockdowns. Now, 
Uh, the UK is uh, is kind of in a touch and go situation with the virus, as far as I've heard. We have relatives over there, and we hear news. They uh, have had some more outbreaks, and uh, there's. Uh, I'm, I don't want to say it because I'm not too sure. We have a lot of listeners in the, in the UK. If they want to let us know, uh, that would be fine. But we. Um, it, it's a kind of a problem if you're locked down. You can't leave your house or at least your property, and you live in a quote unquote haunted house. You know, mm-hmm. uh, what do you do? Uh, hopefully now people are getting out more. It's not so much of a problem. But uh, it, one of the problems we find in a lot of cases, particularly parasite cases, is is that people are uh, homebound or they're very ill or they have, uh, for some reason or another, they they, they just have. They're giving too much. They're stuck in the house and they're concentrating on the entity or the problem or whatever it happens to be, and of course that just makes it worse. So, Tippy, hopefully by now you have emerged from the cocoon through the the easing of the COVID situation in Wales. However, I would just say keep it as positive as you can. It's a good thing we have all these ways to communicate. I mean, can you just imagine what would happen to society, never mind the economy, without, uh, you know, all these different um, forms of communication, electronic communication, ability to work from home, this sort of thing. That is true, yeah. And so thank heaven for that. Uh, you can say what you want about the Internet, but I think it saved our bacon in this case. So if you are stuck, in, for whatever reason, in a house like that, where there is some, well, in Tippy's case, it doesn't seem to, to be very negative, but I would say just uh, keep it as positive as you can. Communicate with people. Keep your mind off it, and uh, keep your mind on good and positive things as much as you can. I know it's a difficult year to try and do that, but that's the the answer, I think. Yeah, that that's pretty much all, all you can really do, you know? Yeah. But it is in your hands, and I think that's kind of the, the that's thing it. to kind of keep in mind, too, yeah. right? You know, you can't control the situation, but you can control how you respond to it. That's very true. All right. Uh, here's an oldie, but not moldy. Um, this, I, I'm going through some of the, our piles and piles of emails that, that we never answered. Uh, and this is uh, from... Um, if you think we're being hyperbolic, we're not. There's, yeah. There's actually a stack of, of, yeah, yeah, just, of emails next to my phone. I have, you know, Ben, I have 12,000 Emails that I have not read yet. That oh, wow. that is no joke. I don't know whether they're all about this, but they're all. It's 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 beyond belief. I imagine how Santa feels. <laughs> yes, <laughs> I'll take solace in that. Anyway, this is from Bridget in Flushing, New York, from 2007. Good grief! Wow. Hey, you know <laughs> where? <laughs> yeah, I mean, yeah, you know, 13 years really. <laughs> Yeah, well, well, it's okay. Moving as fast as we can. It's, people complain about the postal service. Alrighty, here here we go. All right, Mister Eno. I don't know which one which one this goes to. We'll we'll assume that it's you. Um, uh, to be quite frank, sir, I do not believe in ghosts. Fair enough. Uh, at least I don't think I, I did until this morning uh, when I woke up to an apparition so strong that I was positive that it was someone who had broken into my apartment. Um, you know you live in New York City uh, when you're more afraid of leaving the doors open than the supernatural. That's fair. Um, since I am admittedly a skeptic, uh, first I want to do some research to determine whether it is a ghost or not or simply a trick of my imagination. I would like to try and find out more about the ghost. Uh, I've already read your article uh, that does not seem to recommend Ouija boards or seances, so I was wondering what you would suggest as a starting point to find out more. Uh, that is, well, hey, uh, 
13. I hope, hope we're not too late uh, to yeah, at least we're begin. Yeah, we're nursing home by now. Right? That's fair. Uh, well, anyway, so sorry for the, uh, the slight delay in answering the question. Uh, well, you want to tackle that? Um, sure. Well, I guess the first thing is, um, was it, uh, I'm trying to remember the first sentence. Was it waking up to a Yeah, waking up to a very, very uh, a vivid apparition. Okay. Yeah. Uh, so waking up to it, that's a very fascinating way to kind of start it off, which is, um, I, I, would, I would first say uh, sleep paralysis, right? That would be that would be kind of like a first thing to go to, which is um, you know if sometimes that in in between stage of of awake and asleep there there tend there are reports of phenomena, um, or or it could even be that you might have sleep paralysis, in which case you know if you if you find yourself not being able to move, which there was no mention of that, so I can't really say one way or another. Um, it is possible that there that you know images do sort of appear. That um, could be a quote-unquote ghost. Uh, that that's kind of the first thing. It's it's interesting that it's first thing when you wake up you see an apparition. I I would have wanted to know. Again, it's been 13 years, so <laughs> keeping that in mind, um, was there any behavior uh, upon the part of the apparition? Was it just standing there? Was it doing anything? Did it say say anything? Um, I wouldn't immediately assume that it was a quote-unquote ghost. Um, I, I would I would wonder you know, if this is the first time this has ever happened. You know what were sort of the circumstances behind it? If there was no other sort of thing going on, you know, beforehand, you know, with, leading up into this point, and it, it, I would say it was probably a one-off kind of situation. You see what I'm saying? Yeah, yeah. Well, what one thing uh, that we point out frequently is that when you do see these things. And if they are legitimately uh, paranormal in, in a broad sense, you uh, may be seeing people from a parallel intersect point who are living in the same space, again, in a parallel reality. And this is good physics uh, from the viewpoint of many physicists, uh, although they don't go as far as trying to explain ghosts with them, most of them anyway. Uh, so I, I think, and you, why do you see them as a sort of um, foggy figures or glowing figures? Because that's what you would see through the veil, if you want to use that old term, of the uh, the plasma charged membranes between parallel worlds. The membranes that that is a term from physics. One of the things to bear in mind, though, is that it works both ways. And they would see if they can see you at all, if they're aware of you at all, they would see you in the same way. We've had cases where the uh, entities or the people. For on the other side, if you will, see us the same way and think we're ghosts. So it's, it's again, a, a misunderstanding of physics on both sides of the veil, if you will, uh, if, if, again, if we're interpreting it correctly. So um, it may be what we refer to as a pass-through. You never saw it before. You'll never see it again. Uh, or it could be uh, the beginning of a problem. But, again, the, our blanket solution to all these things is just keep it, Simple, keep it positive. All right. So, in doubt. Yeah, and and I, I do feel sorry for the folks in New York who live in small accommodations and you know where it's stuck during the lockdowns and stuff, you know, which have fortunately eased uh, quite quite a bit since uh, two since months ago. Yeah. Anyway, so yeah. all right. Um, one one of the th- things here. This we, we have a long. Uh, 
series of questions here, really from uh, from Michelle, who was a uh, avid listener and uh, sent us a lot of great uh, guest requests. Um, let's uh, maybe take that one that's marked. Yeah, sure thing. Um, and this is not from 2007. This is much more recent. Uh, do, 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 do. Uh, in my opinion, I've I've said this to uh, David Polites and Nathaniel Giles. If something occurs in uh, one human naturally, like that man and woman in your book, uh, then it's it can certainly be manipulated and artificially induced across all humans with the right knowledge and appropriate technology. That was that the, the marked off portion. Uh, yeah. Please, feel free to respond while I, I read right, well, the rest of this. We're trying to get uh, David Polites on the show. David Polites is uh, a um, an expert in, among other things, disappearances, strange disappearances, something Shane Searway, uh, our, our great colleague and uh, frequent co-host on the show, uh, has been researching as well. So uh, I think that that would be something that we would want to, to deal with, uh, mysterious disappearances. Well, the question is what sort of disappearances, um, what's the cause of these things? Now, they've been known throughout history. There have been uh, recorded instances. Some, some are exaggerated. Others are not, as far as we know. One of the ones that was exaggerated, uh, there was a, uh, one, a, a man was, matter of fact, it came from a, uh, an article by a journalist that said that the, uh, the da- I think it was the, uh, the danger of crossing a field or the perils of crossing a field. And uh, it was a man in Tennessee who was a farmer and uh, a, a buggy pulled up, horse and buggy days, and they watched him come across the field and he disappeared in plain sight. Well, my information is that never never happened. On the other hand, a group of joggers in uh, the UK were jogging. This is about uh, 15 years ago. And one of them tripped, felt, and never hit the ground. He just disappeared in front of all the others. Uh, I have that from several witnesses who were there. Uh, there is there are bizarre disappearances such as um, uh, pretty well recorded in the history of the Spanish colonial rule in uh, South and Central America that a Spanish soldier in Mexico City was uh, walking his post uh, at the central plaza of the city and all of a sudden disappeared and minutes later showed up in Manila in the Philippines. Now, the uniforms of the soldiers in the different colonies were different, and so he shows up in the Philippines, much to his own, uh, he was completely flummoxed himself, and everybody and the authorities noticed that his uniform was wrong. And they thought he was just a nut job, because he, he said he was in Mexico City shortly before that, and what the heck is he doing in Manila? And uh, he kind of freaked, and uh, when all was said and done in those days, I mean, this is the uh, 17th century, that uh, it was found that he really was known as a soldier in Mexico City and somehow he had been transported to the Philippines. Now, I have looked every which way from Sunday to disprove that or at least to to show that that was a false report of some kind. And um, I can't find any evidence that it was not. There are are official documents about that and all that sort of thing. So um, it does appear to, you know, given the cold case nature of this, appear to have been at least a legitimate report, if not a le- legitimate incident. So these disappearances are something that we have to, uh, uh, I think, cover more fully. Shane has uncovered some, um, is, is researching particularly disappearances that occur in national parks in the past 10 years. They've been quite uh, quite dramatic, some of them. 
And, uh, of course, people would say, at least some of them may be UFO abductions, alien abductions. I mean, that's possible. Uh, that the whole question is really, really open to, uh, to more questions. So, I mean, I, I, we weren't prepared to, uh, to go through all, uh, Michelle's excellent, uh, prose uh yeah, that's why I'm trying to take a, take a second and, and read it and take it all in. Yeah, um, all right, sure. Which, I, I guess the, the, the argument is that, um, more savvy parasites could pull off a possession of the quote-unquote demon and manipulate us in that way. Uh, if something like this occurs in one human naturally, then it is certainly then it can certainly be manipulated and artificially induced across all humans. Yeah. Okay. All right. Well, I, see, I see where she's going with this. Um. I. I don't know. I, I think that the the um. I'm trying to I'm trying to find a way to put this because I I think she's trying to equate. Um, possession and technology together in in order to sort of like mass control or 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 mass not possesses is is sort of in quotations here or or sort of to manipulate to get food out of us. I think that's that's sort of the yeah. the direction she's trying to go in. And honestly, I don't think technology is needed for it. I I don't I don't think it's that sophisticated. I think it's. Honestly, giving too much credit. <laughs> yeah, perhaps. Yeah. Um, I think I think that we have this sort of tendency um, as as sort of a species to um, sort of give more credit to things that are not that are that are sort of outside of ourselves than we should. Um, I think it's almost like deifying parasites in a way by hmm. saying that they're that they're they're oh they're they're super intelligent and do all this when it's yeah, yeah, they are. They are relatively intelligent. No, some, some, yeah, some. That's the caveat there. Some are relatively intelligent, and some aren't. Much like humans, some are relatively intelligent, and some, you know, have different skills. That's just kind of how it is, you know. And I, I don't think it's, I don't think it's, it's fair to assume that, you know, that it's, you know, or everything's being manipulated. I think that that's, I think that that's sort of a, a playing into um, the the hands of. Of the or the proverbial hands of a parasite, right? You yeah. know, the goal is, you know, Evan even says it herself. You know, it's manipulation, right? Mm-hmm. You know, if you're if you if you're if your enemy is if you think your enemy is stronger than they actually are, and they manipulate you into thinking that they get the upper hand. And in in this sort of instance, it's the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. You know, you you trick people into into thinking. They trick people into thinking they're stronger than they actually are, when in fact we give them all the power. That's kind of yeah, like, right. That's yes. that's kind of the thing. And you know, if there's one thing I've kind of learned over over the years of, of dealing with this, and you know, working with with you, father, and other other greats in our field, it's it's that sometimes we give entirely too much credit to them. Yes, I think that's well put. And and I th- I think that. You know, it kind of takes power away from us, right? And you know, it's it's you know that there are there are sort of these ideas that exist um, that you know, yeah, you know, maybe maybe an advanced parasite could in fact possess stuff, but really, it's it comes down to a tacit agreement between you know the possessee and the possessor, right? For one reason or another, which you know, wh- whether they're in in circumstances where 
you know, there's sort of like power to be gained on both sides, right? Say someone's like a victim of of, of abuse, right? You know, you're trying to grab some sort of of power back for yourself. Um, then, yeah, a tacit agreement is reached. You know, it's it's sort of like a like a like a poisonous soup of of sort of things kind of coming together. Yeah, you know, it happens. Decisions are made that aren't good. But in the end, you know, there's responsibility on both sides, and I don't think it's fair to take away a responsibility from oneself. Because if there's one thing that our society is good at, it's blaming other people. Well, that's true. And and at some point, we have to kind of take a look at ourselves and and look at our decisions and where we've come to, and say, okay, what can I do better? And and how can I you know, take responsibility for things. That doesn't necessarily mean that, you know, it's, it's you know, the, the, the person being possessed's fault. Not saying that at all. What I'm saying is that there's, that there's an agreement that's reached there on both sides. And, and it's, you know, whether it's, it's sort of conscious or not, it's there. And, you know, it, you, you shouldn't, you shouldn't blame the parasite for all of it because, you know, something somehow invited it in. Yes, and there's that invitation that's there, mm-hmm. and unfortunately, you know, it goes awry every time, and that's just kind of how it is. And you know, whether it was someone being ill-informed on on their part, they're going through something, they didn't get the proper help, you know, or they didn't know that they needed to get the proper help, you know. And I think it's it's sort of it's unfair to say the parasite's doing all of it because you know that takes power away from the person who's being affected by it too. Yes, and it's a complex issue, and I think it goes deeper than oh well, they're trying to control us, which is you know it could be entirely true. I could be really wrong, but at some point, we as a species, and especially us in the modern world, have to stop being victims, and we have yep. to and we have to we have to realize that yeah, hey, we have our issues, and we but we have there are solutions we can we can make, and there are things that we can do, and just because you know something awful happens to you doesn't mean you're powerless doesn't mean that you know you you have to be a victim all your life you know at some point you have to stand up and say hey you know i matter too Mm -hmm. and it's the same with with this whole sort of thing so yeah you know i could i could be wrong you know maybe maybe there is some sort of link between you know parasites manipulating us and blah 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 um i don't think that's true and i don't think it's fair for us humans to sort of take power away from ourselves and say well we're just cattle that's it which is, it's just, you know, that dehumanizes us. Yeah. And that's just not, it's, it's just not, <laughs> it's just not true. Because we're, we, we matter, we have, we have value, and we have, you know, sort of this power of, of ourselves. That we can move forward and be able to be ourselves. And so, you know, yeah, possession's a thing. You know, whatever it is, however you define it, it's a thing, it's real. You know, whether you define it as, as demons, quote-unquote, parasites, whatever. Yeah, it's a thing, you know, in some way, shape, or form. You know, whether, whether we understand it or not, depending on, you know, sort of the, the perspective we bring to it. The thing kind of... There's one common denominator between all of them, which is someone is affected. And, I and you know, there's a way that that person is affected... And I think it's it's easy as as we've done before to focus all on the phenomena and forget all about the person that's affected in it. Absolutely, well, I think a lot of uh, investigative teams do that. A lot of the feral ghost hunters, as we call. Well, it. I you know it makes sense, right? We're trying to understand something 
that we that we don't understand. So naturally, we'll focus on the the sort of the big the big the big thing, right? The the sort of big sort of uh, little explosion over here, but we don't focus on the people that it affects. And you know, I th- I think a lot of it plays into you know some very serious psychological trauma that you know they they just that you know they never got help for and they get taken advantage of by you know whether it's people parasites whatever you know and you know it's 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 sort of like you don't realize it's going on until it happens that's right and so you know we horrible things happen all the time but I think the thing to realize is that we're not alone in this and, and that that's very important we're all we're all a community. Yeah. You know, whether whether if you if you believe you're alone and you're affected by by stuff like this, you know you're not alone. You know, don't put it all on a, on a parasite either. You yeah. know, because the it's devil easy made to, me do it. Right. It's it's mm. easy to you know. There's responsibility there. Yes. And I, I think you know we as a, as as a as a society should really learn to take responsibility. Mm-hmm. Uh, so just to uh, finish up, I guess we have time for one more thought. Uh, we've been getting a lot of questions about flying humanoids lately, particularly as it relates to the. Uh, alleged Mothman sightings in the Chicago area in the past few years. Now, flying humanoids are reported to be literally human-shaped objects or people, literally, for all the way from the the brujas of Mexico, the witches, supposedly, you know, actually flying uh, across open spaces uh, on camera sometimes. Oh, yeah. uh, All the way to... um, uh, objects that I think might be balloons. All right, uh, it's very easy to mistake, especially if a bunch of black balloons or you know blue or whatever dark colored balloons sort of floating, uh, you know, several hundred feet into the air to a thousand feet where you can see them, could very easily be mistaken for a flying humanoid. Now there have been uh, fewer reports because we follow this stuff. There have been fewer reports of flying humanoids lately. Uh, even in the area of Monterey, Mexico, where there was a lot of stuff going on, and they had gotten up into Arizona as well. But I wonder if it's not because of uh, all the lockdowns and people just weren't going out as much and weren't in a position to see as many of them, whatever they may have been. But I think a lot of them are just balloons. Now, of course, this may not be the case in Chicago area where the the, uh, supposed Mothman sightings have taken place. Now, Mothman, for those who don't know, was uh, was the, the name that the media gave to a very strange winged creature uh, seen uh, particularly known for an outbreak of incidents in the Ohio Valley of the United States in the 1960s, uh, mid-1960s. Uh, and supposedly that's still going on, but uh, people, hundreds of people, very credible witnesses, trained observers saw this creature flying at great speed and doing this, that, and the other thing. And uh, the press gave him the name Mothman. So wh- people in Chicago have seen, I, I have a report of somebody, as a matter of fact, this is in our 2017 book, uh, Behind the Paranormal 2, um, Bigfoot, Mothman, and Monsters You Never Heard Of, that uh, people, there were, were reports in Chicago of two being seen at the same time, flying over the uh, part of the lake where there was a marina and uh, was very, very clearly visible in broad daylight. So whether these are large birds or whether they're things that people uh, say, aha, it's Mothman and really is no such thing, we just don't know. But reports of that seem to have gotten a little, at least reports coming to us from our show reporters and listeners uh, seem to have uh, gotten a little bit less 
uh, now. So um, I, I don't know if it's slowing down. Sometimes these things are seasonal. They really do pick up at certain times of the year. Mm. Um, there were, particularly in November, I remember the uh, the Bridgeport Poltergeist case that um, you're going to be hearing more about in the media, actually, because there's a lot of interest in it now. And, I, and I'm the only, really, the, the only major living eyewitness, I think, as who's left, except for a few police, retired police officers who are now in their 80s. Uh, that was November, every November, you know, for a while it would pick up. And then, of course, our whole experience there was in November. So hmm. I wonder why. Well, that, that's for another show because yeah. we're running out of time. I know, right? Yeah, for me. Yeah, no, let's so. talk about that. All right. So, but well, to be continued. And, uh, but, uh, we are monitoring the Mothman situation. So uh, take us away, Ben. Sure thing. Um, so the 2020 Exeter UFO Festival um, on Labor Day weekend, which would have, would be next weekend, uh, has been canceled, unfortunately. But the 55th anniversary of the incident at Exeter will not go unsung on this show. Uh, on September 6th, uh, the day uh, we would have broadcast from the Exeter Town Hall with a panel of speakers uh, for the fifth year in a row, uh, we will do a rebroadcast of this year's uh, panel show from there uh, on the panel along with uh, Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, Mac Maloney, Mike Stevens, and the Allagash UFO abductees and many other luminaries in the field. On September 7th, a week from tomorrow, Ben and I will be on the Travel Channel as part of the debut of The Devil's Road, The True Story of Ed and Lorraine Warren. First in a new series of two-hour documentaries, America's True Horror Stories. Uh, anyway, uh, I'm in it as someone who worked with the Warrens, and Ben is there to represent the new generation of researchers. Uh, that'll be the Travel Channel, 9 p.m. Eastern, Monday, September 7th, 2020. And then the uh, Western UFO, uh, con- or the, the Western Connecticut UFO Conference, geez, I don't know why I keep leaving Connecticut out of there, uh, will take place via Facebook Live on Saturday and Sunday, October 17th and 18th. Uh, there is a free annual event sponsored by the Danbury, Connecticut Public Library. Uh, along with ourselves, speakers will include uh, our own uh, Shane Searway and Mark D'Antonio, along with Linda Zimmerman, um, Mike Panicello of the uh, Connecticut MUFON, and more. On Sunday, we will uh, simulcast our show from here uh, on WOON uh, with special guest Bill, uh, Dr. Bill Burns of the uh, UFO uh, Hunters TV show. Uh, that's uh, that was a new, He's also a New York Times best-selling author and publisher of UFO Magazine. Uh, additionally, we have word that the New England Parafest will take place on April 10th and 11th, 2021 in Kittery, Maine. Uh, they're hoping for everything to be in person. Uh, and then we'll do a live broadcast of this show from there with a panel of the speakers on Sunday the 11th. And more information on that uh, will be forthcoming. So I guess we better move to our... Uh, What's going on next week, Ben? I think we already said it. Oh, well, we did, but hey, you know, repetition. Um, Next week, uh, September 6th, in honor of the Exeter UFO Festival, uh, we will replay the panel broadcast uh, from last year's event featuring Kathleen Martin, Peter Robbins, Mac Maloney, uh, and many more great speakers that were there at the conference last year. So we leave you today with a profound thought from, of all people, the American rock musician Jimi Hendrix, knowledge speaks, but wisdom listens. I'm Paul Eno. And I'm Ben Eno. And uh, thanks for joining us on our great cosmic journey. And we shall see you next time on Behind the Paranormal. Return to this radio frequency 167 hours from now for another edition of Behind the Paranormal with Paul and Ben Eno.